We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm your host, John McKechnie, as always, joined by Mario Puig. We are recording here on December 26th. Mario, did Santa uh, treat you right this year? Yeah, I'd say so. I uh, can't remember what I got. An air fryer? I think that's... Ooh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, now I can make uh, tempeh in an air fryer instead of just the oven. And, Dude, uh, my Brussels low cow. as well. Yeah, that is be- that's beautiful. So, uh, yeah, you got the hook up there. I I just got a, a lump of coal again, uh, a larger lump of coal uh, than usual. So I don't know okay. if that's if that's a, a better or worse uh, sign fr- from Santa Claus. Or but he, uh, you can yeah, you see, can that's what I'm saying. More stuff with that lump of coal than your usual prize. So. Yep, and I, yep, and given that I have a coal-fired uh, heating system in in my in my cabin here, um, it was very very. Much appreciated, but uh, it is week 17 here, so most leagues have wrapped up their playoff season, but 
Some haven't. And of course, still with week 17, it kind of makes for a really fun DFS week because there, there's just so much up in the air. Uh, you, you never really know how much uh, effort the, these teams that are locked into their respective playoff positions um, are going to give or how much uh, run they're going to give to their starters. Obviously, the Ravens resting most of their key players on offense. But we're going to break it down here game by game and get into it and find the best plays uh, from every game here and, and you know break it down uh, from every angle here. So let's get started here um, with the Bills going up against the Jets. Uh, what are your expectations here? I, I imagine that the Bills only one and a half point favorites from what I'm seeing in this one. So I think Vegas it seems to imply that Buffalo might be um, you know giving some rest to Josh Allen here maybe in the second half. Yeah, I guess that must be the case because I don't I don't really see how the Jets would make it that close otherwise. I don't know if I expect them to make it that close anyway. Uh, but, you know, Darnold, better than whoever... Who is the Buffalo backup? I don't even remember who the, the Buffalo backup is. But I Darnold, believe it's, it's, it's Josh Allen's Buffalo clone. Tyree Jackson? Is it? I thought they or cut least, him a long time ago. Oh, that's a, my that's theory lame. on that was they cut him because they were like, oh my god, he's better. We can't let anyone know or else it'll cause a quarterback controversy. Uh, that's... <laughs> That's that. That's what happened, folks. I've got sources on that one. Uh, so they cut Tyree Jackson because he was better. It's actually Mar- Matt Barkley who is not better, and that way they can protect uh, Josh Allen in this uh, endless laundering mission of his of his uh, fake progress as a passer. Uh, but anyway, uh, he he and the Buffalo team are way better than the Jets, and I like Darnold long term. But uh, the Buffalo defense is good. Adam Gase is bad. Darnold has generally been bad on the road, uh, generally been quite a bit better at home. Sometimes that's going to like even out eventually uh, he, when he gets enough experience. It's just he'll kind of stop being terrible on the road at some point. I don't know why it would be this week against a, a Buffalo team that even if they're even if they're rotating some backups in on defense, I think all those backups are probably going to be well prepared just because Sean McDermott, I think, really gets those guys built for the system that he has there. So I'm not really expecting the bill's defense to make things easy on the jets and uh i don't know if you saw that adam gase quote out there but i don't know if that's a fake quote i know it's uh it was like the poster some the new york post or something like that and uh one of those rags out in new york that that published it but uh the gase quote where he was like i don't care i'm rich uh, oh yeah that that was awesome and then dovetailing off of that did you see that uh what is pretty Pretty clear to be uh, his burner account uh, got undug uh, up on Twitter. Uh, no. Uh, oh, yeah. There, there's okay, this guy. Sorry, folks. The podcast is changing subjects. We're going to talk about Adam Gase's Twitter account for the rest of the show. It's uh, week 17, so I think we're allowed. But, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty clear. Like, there, there's about 15 examples, screenshots that I saw where, you know, someone was trashing Gase just kind of offhandedly. Because no, no one even, like, takes it all that seriously when it comes to Gase. He's just become such a clown at this point. But, you know, uh, this, this guy is very vehemently jumping into the mentions and being like, oh, uh, uh, he didn't have healthy Tannehill, uh, and Devontae Parker wasn't developing at, at, at up to his standards, and this and that. Uh, he didn't get a fair shake in Miami. He's not getting a fair shake in New York. Like it, just very obviously, just Adam Gase with his screen say, name. I have the opposite theory. I don't think it is his burner because if it was, I think if it was his burner, he would, he would, it would have something more to do with like. He, w- he wouldn't be able to hold back on his bitter criticisms of Devontae Parker, uh, whatever it was, uh, wearing his pants too low or uh, not taking practice serious. Or the Cheetos, he didn't like how he ate Cheetos, something like that. He would have said something about the Cheetos. That's what the, the burner 
would have given it away as. I don't know. I, there, there are, believe it or not, some sick individuals, some real sick puppies who are on the <laughs> internet and are like Adam Gase fans, fans of whatever the worst thing in the world you can think of. There's some guy somewhere who is like in tears offended at you for any mild criticism of that person. And I'm choosing to believe that there is one of those people for Adam Gase and he's just furious all the time and just on Twitter, just typing, 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 stop being mean to Adam. Uh, you know, Devonte Parker sabotaged him something, something. Uh, but anyway, that is, that is kind of funny. I hope the guy's getting paid at least. That's kind of a bleak uh, little scenario there. Uh, because Adam Gase, if it is his burner, he is of course rich as some uh, rich as uh, I can't say it, but he's rich. He's rich as heck, folks. He's getting well paid for, to do that, if so. But these these uh, volunteer uh, super fans on the internet, I mean, at least be a fan of a K-pop group or something. Like, why do you have to be an Adam Gase super fan? That's just disturbing. Yeah, that's a that's a very very. Uh, ill individual (laughs) but yeah so josh allen john brown guys like that i guess we might not really see them if so it's time to fire up the robert foster shares in your uh belligerency leagues um because because yeah i guess he plays the same position as john brown um but otherwise maybe they try to give frank gore like a nice little uh veterans treat or something like that we'll send off yeah yeah uh so i don't know what to do with that and then on the jet side I mean, if you could tell me something like Robbie Anderson will play 60 snaps against Levi Wallace or like some backup or something like that, I'd say eh, he could get open. Maybe even bad Sam Darnold can get him the ball. But I don't know if I can trust the Jets to come out and put out much effort for a guy who deserves to be fired and clearly doesn't care about any of them. Yeah, it's it's a tricky game. I think for, for DFS purposes, even w- with all that in mind, and even if the Jets are keeping their starters in, uh, I have trouble trusting them. So like for, for DFS purposes, uh, I'm probably staying away from this game for the most part. Um, let's jump on over uh, to a game with, with less hilarious off-the-field stuff going on. Uh, we got the Saints, 13-point favorites going up against the Panthers. I believe the Saints, um, we got a bit of a logjam there at the top of the NFC, so I think... Uh, the Saints are going to want to come in and win this one. Yeah. And uh, Vegas kind of uh, seems to back that up here with the Saints checking in as 13-point favorites. Yeah, so with them having you know the same approach, maybe even as urgent of an approach as any other time this year, seems like full speed ahead for those guys. I mean, you'd prefer that it was in New Orleans, I suppose. But uh, Michael Thomas is going to be Michael Thomas. The question is, like, how much how much damage can Kamara do and how much will they even give him the chance to because this run defense for Carolina seems like it should it should be weak enough for Latavius Murray or even Dwayne Washington or somebody like that to run all over them if they want and Kamara has been I think a little bit nicked up at various points this year and last but however much work he gets on the ground he should tear them up because that Carolina run defense has just been a mess all year and it's kind of hard to imagine it getting any better this particular week. And we, we saw, you know, two, it's a one-game uh, turnaround, so you can't say it's the beginning of something else. But, I mean, he's been, uh, like, I think you compare, you said he's like running back Mike Williams as far as the touchdown regression crashing hard this year. And then it started to kind of float back up to norms uh, last weekend when he scored a couple of times here. So do you think that even if he doesn't see that max workload, if, if we see, you know, 15-touch Camara where, you know, it's uh, 12 carries, three three catches, that sort of thing, that's still probably going to be enough to to make you interested, or you think more so going after those backups? I think because of so much uncertainty on the slate, 
the mere fact that he is who he is and the Saints are playing for, you know, very, they're taking this very seriously. I have to believe he's one of the top ranked running backs in the week. You can imagine maybe some paranoid scenarios of Latavius Murray just lighting up the Panthers, but it's not obvious from afar whether the Saints are as confident in Murray as, as we would be in this case. Like I, I think that the Panthers' run defense is bad enough that pretty much any running back in the Saints system should do enough to win. But if you're Sean Payton, uh, if you're Pete Carmichael or whoever, and you're, you're thinking you know maybe you're having a nightmare about losing that game and you go into it making extra sure you, you take care of business. And if you do take care of business, that tends to oftentimes have – a, a big part of Kamara in the game plan. And so he has, he has only three rushing touchdowns on 163 attempts this year. Last year he had 14 on 194. So uh, I don't know what that, like every 13 attempts or something like that. And then this year he's over 50 pushing 55 attempts per touchdown. If you believe in that kind of regression, you know, correction there, maybe he only needs 12 carries to score twice. And, I think that makes sense because I expect the quarterback play to be abysmal with the Panthers and uh, the the run defense might be bad enough that he could also do a lot of damage of uh, yardage wise per touch. So I don't know if I'll have him, you know, top ranked or anything, but even with the various worst case scenarios, at least for tournament purposes in DFS, I would have to imagine Kamara's pretty high up there. And it, certainly if you're still in a season long league, you're really grateful to have him this week, I think. I think so too. And, uh, you know, zooming out a little bit, looking at the spread here, 13 points, the Panthers feel like they are, um, in terms of what, what we've seen from teams the last six weeks of the season, can we really say that they're better than like the dolphins right now with those quarterbacks and, and Greer was bad last week and maybe worse than Kyle Allen, which is uh it's not good i don't want to say like he has no chance to be useful in the nfl but that's one of those early signs where it's kind of it's kind of it's reasonable to just pull the plug on that one already uh i don't know if do we know are they going to roll with greer again or are they back to kyle allen I, I uh not, not it doesn't positive. matter for me like i i think uh for what it's worth it sounds like they're gonna take uh they're gonna they're gonna try to just pad the stats of christian mccaffrey uh it seems like they're leaning that way because they want to get him to a thousand, one thousand, and he's like sixty-five yards away receiving yardage-wise. And there's no way he's putting up sixty-five, or at least it's unlikely that he'll put up sixty-five receiving yards in like one half or something like that. So I think we have more reason than not to believe that McCaffrey will play the whole game. And again, on what is effectively like a short slate because of uh, the various resting scenarios around the league. As long as McCaffrey's playing, you know, it doesn't really even, especially on a short slate, it doesn't really matter who he's playing. You can make the case that he's the top running back on the slate because if he plays 60 snaps, he probably is, or, you know, really close, PPR especially. So I uh, expect him to do what he usually does. And he's shown multiple times this year that even if the Panthers suck and they just get lit up, do nothing useful all game, he'll get those garbage time checkdowns. So I think you like his chances don't know what to make of dj Moore and that concussion that's a bummer but if he's out there and the quarterbacks are decent i think dj Moore can get open on these kinds of corners like they don't want to run across the field as much as they want to go vertical and dj Moore doesn't really do that anyway so those two guys if you've been leaning on them all year i would lean on them again in season long but uh yeah i don't i don't think i'd go at anybody but mccaffrey and maybe a tournament uh, dfs wise 
Yeah, I'm definitely not touching the the pass catchers here just because of the the uncertainty with that quarterback play looking pretty shaky there for Carolina as we head into week 17. Uh, Let's move on over to the Browns going up against the Bengals. Bengals coming off that game. I got to say, you and I were were squaring off in the the stake league championship game, and I thought it was – I was having a good laugh at first when Andy Dalton was, you know, dude – you know, starting to light things up a little bit in the fourth quarter, but then he throws a touchdown to Tyler Eifert. Dude, that was had, the dumbest ga- game. I started, I started like seen. sweating a little bit. <laughs> that was insane. Just because he, people are going to look at Andy Dalton's box score and be like, "Man, that's a that, that's an impressive game from Andy Dalton." But he actually wasn't very good in that game, and he basically should have ended it with something like 270 yards and two touchdowns. I walked away from my computer and TV screen for, I think, only 10 or 12 minutes, and I came back, and they had scored, like, 17 points, or, or yeah. was it 18? Uh, something like that, and um, needless to say, I was a little confused. I was like, oh, these these ESPN box score intern morons are screwing up again, um, but yeah, it actually happened, apparently. Who, who can... Who could have imagined something like that? It has to be some kind of record for a point swing in like 90 seconds or whatever it was. Um, but anyway, they they still were dysfunctional that whole game. I don't know how Mixon has a game that bad and then Dalton can't get going until uh, the last two minutes or whatever it was. But uh, there's obviously a bit of a, a failure. Uh, there's a failure train on the other side of this one with the Browns. I don't know what I expect from the Browns in terms of uh, effort or on the, on the players parts. That I is. expect minimal effort from the Browns here uh, from the players or the coaches both. Cause cause Freddie, I can imagine trying to like get them to play hard and them just like not listening. To it would them. have like the counter effect to it. I feel like almost like the more he yells, the less inclined the players are to do anything. Yeah. Obviously Odell Beckham was not hearing uh, the wisdom of Freddie Kitchens last week. And I think you can both believe that Odell Beckham is maybe like a neurotic diva and also say he is fully justified in his, his uh, stance in that case, because yes, I mean, how seriously can Freddie kitchens even be taking his job that they've looked this way all year? There are utter dunces at head coach going back just as far in NFL history as you want, who at least can conduct a practice and, you know, get, get their guys to do basic details, uh, get them to, even if they're bad players that they're working with, uh, and yet the Browns just look like they didn't practice all week, every week. Um, I have to believe that's, you know, both the practices not being done very well and also the players not being focused for either, you know, morale reasons, motivation reasons, whatever. And yeah, I don't know why a game like this would get them to be like, come on, guys, let's do it for coach. Like, it seems I can like a guy like Nick Chubb. I think him, Kareem Hunt, they'll play hard. Uh, I don't know if I expect the offensive line to be any good, though. So um, as much as, you know, Chubb, Hunt, in Hunt's case, it's, it's in Chubb's case, it's like he's just such a professional. And in, in Hunt's case, he's he's still got to rebuild his brand. So uh, I think they're going to go 100%. Don't think I can trust any aspect of the passing game. Uh, Baker, may, I mean, I don't. I, I don't think it's a question for me. I just don't trust any of them. The matchup is supposed to be good, but uh, be it the hand or the offensive line or just playing poorly on his own part don't trust baker mayfield and uh if i was going to get one path catcher i guess it might be landry but i i will consider the backfield for the browns and not anything else and then on the cincinnati side hmm i don't know uh 
Tyler Boyd's got a good matchup. Uh, John Ross is interesting. 13 targets, I think, last week. So John Ross is, is kind of interesting to me. But, uh, or yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not really going to chase anybody other than, I guess, like the running backs in this game and maybe Boyd. That makes sense. I, I like Chubb. I like the price tag, too. I mean, he's pretty far down the list here on, on DraftKings. Him and Mixon are actually uh, priced next to each other with Chubb checking in at 7500 Mixon down uh, to 7200 But obviously, like you said, tough to trust this Browns passing game right now. And the, the Cincinnati run defense is really, uh, you know, kind of towards the bottom there. So I think Chubb. Uh, if nothing else is gonna is gonna be able to get after it here a little bit, so I'll have to consider him uh, pretty seriously for for DFS this week, just because um, you know I think I think the matchup and he's like really the only functional part of that offense that you can at least trust at this stage, and he's coming off a, a pretty slow game this past week, so I'm sure he'll want to end the season on a high note there. Yeah, even on a bad team, he's the kind of guy who can take over a game. I mean, uh, I don't think we would say the Browns were good back in week three or whenever that was and we wouldn't say the Ravens were bad in that game and yet look at what happened Uh, he almost did the same thing to the Patriots if it wasn't for those two uh, insanely unlucky fumbles so even if the team around him quits he's good enough to still maybe overcome it and I think given the matchup I I would say Kareem Hunt is is also worth considering just because uh, he is good and, and the Bengals are still not good and and he won't be lacking for motivation at least like he he at least I would be surprised if he didn't make the connection between his effort level here and his prospects of uh, earning later on after this year. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So he'll he'll need to uh, you know keep finishing the season strong there. Definitely by that. Uh, let's move on over to the Packers going up against the Lions. Uh, Packers fighting for their seeding as well. They want that first round by. They want home games up in Lambeau in late January. So they're 12 and a half point favorites here going to the Dome uh, to face off against a Lions team that, that is, uh, yeah, it's falling apart, man. Yeah, they did get carry on back last week. So that's kind of interesting. But apparently Matt Patricia, I don't know if Matt Patricia is trying to emulate the New England backfield. And if, if he is, if he thinks uh, a, an offense gets better if you just give three running backs 10 touches a game like I don't know if he looked at the Patriots and thought it was working because of a running back rotation and and just took away you got to rotate the guys rather than taking away you have to apply players in certain situations as their skill sets dictate and as far as the personnel packages that you're using how they fit within them things like that Uh, but it doesn't seem that the Lions are eager to give Carrion Johnson like a workhorse workload Uh, that was the case before his injury and with nothing to gain this year I basically don't even know why they brought him back last week but uh even in this game even against a Packers run defense that's been pretty bad this year I don't really want to chase carry on even even in season long like I've got him in stake league and we have that week 17 uh we, we still tally points from that week I don't know if I'm gonna start carry on and I don't have any running backs like Chubb's the only one I have because uh, I just don't know if I expect Johnson to get more than like eight carries even if uh even if the lines stay in it the whole game and I don't know if they'll stay in it the whole game because the Packers are the way better team. And I don't even think the Packers are that good, but the Lions are a joke. And Matt Patricia's defense is a joke. Uh, the David Blau, it's not his fault, but you know he's not supposed to be playing, basically. Uh, so going against a Packers pass defense, that's pretty solid. Made a, made a pretty big uh, joke out of Kirk Cousins. And as much as I don't think Kirk Cousins is great, there's there's a pretty big gulf between him and David Blau. So sure. I can imagine this one getting pretty ugly. I don't know where I expect the Packers to produce specifically. They've got a lot of injuries to consider at the moment and including 
Jamal Williams, who's got a shoulder issue. So if, if Jamal Williams is out, it's at once one of those things where they don't want to overwork Aaron Jones, but they might kind of just stumble into that kind of game plan anyway, especially because he, he will probably have success when they give him the ball. So uh, maybe maybe it's somebody like Dexter Williams. I don't even know who their third running back is these days, but uh, maybe Aaron Jones gets his one of those uh, three touchdowns on 12 carries kind of games that he's had seemingly uh, half a dozen times this year. Um, but I, I kind of would be surprised if he just took the workload that he and Williams normally, Jamal Williams normally share. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a Rodgers game in some form. Like maybe, maybe not a, maybe not the, you know, Raiders game with five touchdowns, but I think he'll score touchdowns. I can imagine it being like 220 yards passing and three or four touchdowns on 28, 30 attempts because this Lions defense is just a joke. They have no pass rush. Hopefully their pass rush is bad enough that the status of Brian Bulaga doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I think Rodgers is going to do something. And Devontae Adams is, of course, your first and second suspect as far as that goes. But Ellen sure. uh, Lazard, I think, has done a good job this year. And I see no reason to think he projects poorly here. He's got an ankle thing, but he's practicing through it. So um, he's kind of the wide receiver, too, to me in that offense. And uh, I feel like Rodgers is going to go, so somebody's got to go with him. Okay, that that makes sense. And trying to figure out where that where that passing game distribu- distribution goes beyond Devonte Adams has been a tough solve uh, for a lot of this year. And Aaron Jones, you know, you're bringing him up. He's always pretty active in that passing game as well. And then yeah. uh, just doing some kind of dumb box score analysis here, if I can interest you in that. Uh, the games after he goes off ha- have been kind of rocky. And if you buy into that pattern. Uh, I don't really know what to say there, but like, you know, after his Kansas City game, uh, he comes out the next week against the Chargers, 2.9 points. After the big game against Carolina, his next game, 3.8 points against San Francisco. His game after the Dallas explosion against Detroit, actually, he had six fantasy points. Yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, the seesaw effect there was between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams or if it was Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, but I I generally think this year that Aaron Jones' insane and, frankly, unsustainable touchdown production was basically at the expense of Devontae Adams, who had unsustainable touchdown production last year. Uh, uh, Sorry, Devontae Adams had 13 touchdowns in 15 games last year. He has four in 11 games this year. Aaron Jones, of course, has has had numerous touchdown sprees. So I think in some sense... uh, like you can imagine the seesaw being from either or both reasons, I guess. But if Jamal Williams is out, that's just one less way Jones could regress, I think. And mm-hmm. as long as Aaron Rodgers is having a good game, that doesn't necessarily mean that Jones is is suffering for it. Because like you said, he's done uh, quite a bit as a pass catcher in a few games this year, too. So if Rodgers has a big game, and I think he will, and and Jamal Williams is out, I would say it's two good games in a row for Aaron Jones, more than likely. Yeah, I buy that as well. And I know that, again, that those drop-offs seem pretty stark. But again, when you remove Jamal Williams from that equation, and also you bring up a Detroit defense that I think has regressed um, down the stretch here, then I think this this does set up for Jones to be one of the better running backs on the board this week. And again, I think the key this week for, for DFS is targeting teams that are going to be giving it 100% uh, here. So Jones certainly fits that bill. Let's move on over to the Chiefs going up against the Chargers. Chiefs at home, nine-point favorites in this one. Okay, and uh, does that mean that they are uh, playing for something here? As Yeah, it looks like them and the 
Patriots are fighting over a first. So round it, they need they need a win and a Patriots loss to the okay. Dolphins. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that that's really gonna gonna happen or a reasonable outcome well, to expect here. Yeah. But they're pl- they're going to be playing at the same time, so yeah. they can they can kind of scoreboard watch. And you know, if it gets to halftime and they see the Patriots have buried the Dolphins already, then they can kind of call off the dogs. I, I think is kind of how this one will go. But if the Patriots uh, are for whatever reason sluggish, then I think the Chiefs keep the pedal on the metal there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And man, I don't even know. I don't know what kind of conditions it would take for the for the Chiefs to be there, you know, going into the second half, being in the third quarter, whenever this moment will come. I can't imagine them being so sure it'll go either way that they really uh, pull back in tight. Like fourth quarter, I feel like is the earliest that'll happen. And uh, admittedly, I'm just guessing. I have I have no basis for that assumption. It just just some feeling uh this the spread going up to nine i don't know from seven and a half i don't know what i make of that you do have to consider the possibility of the chiefs defense doing some of the work here because the chargers are just so busted uh philip rivers is busted i'm not sure how much they're playing for anthony lynn they've had some weird suspension things going on on that team like desmond king was just suspended as a healthy scratch two weeks ago uh he's back last week but when stuff like that starts happening, when the best veteran players on a team get suspended and there's just no word around town about why, that sounds like Anthony Lynn doing, you know, dumb, uh, like military brain coaching of like, oh, we're bad because you guys aren't taking this seriously enough or something like that. It's it's, it's your habits that have gotten worse, not, uh, not the team, certainly not my job as a coach that's no. not gotten worse. Um, so when that starts happening and you start messing with these, these players who are respected on the team, you, you're wagering your own respect from the team in that case. And if you guess wrong, uh, the team just might not take your side. They might take Desmond King's side, something like that. So, uh, going to Arrowhead in a meaningless game where they know they're going to get beat down. I don't know. Maybe they give it a, some good effort initially, but I don't expect the effort to be there all game, especially if Mahomes comes out hot. If, if you know, if Mahomes hits a, a backbreaking touchdown to Tyreek Hill on the first drive. I think the Chargers are just taken off. Like I don't, I don't think they're going to stick stick around uh, mentally for that game after that. Um, if if Mahomes struggles or something, which I don't expect, by the way, I don't think those corners with the Chargers are any issue for, for receivers as fast as the Chiefs. Like even Casey Hayward can't run downfield. He can't cover Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has beaten him quite a bit. I expect that to remain the case here. I think Meikle can beat those guys. Watkins can beat those guys. Uh, Desmond King on Watkins. It's like Desmond King's a really good slot corner, but he doesn't want to run for too long with speed like that. So I feel like Mahomes should be fine. Uh, admittedly, Derwin James on Travis Kelsey is a bit of a maybe a roadblock there. I just think Tyreek will do what they need. Damian Williams has looked really good lately, in my opinion. I'm getting every time I watch him now, I just get pissed off. Like God, why did you have to hurt your ribs and your knee? And now I got all these. These people telling me, like, told you Damian Williams sucks because he, he obviously had a <laughs> terrible year. It's like, he's been good when they play. Like, he, he's obviously their best running back. And right. last week, it's, you know, it's like he's, he's quick. He's, he's breaking tackles. He's falling forward. He's, he's obviously a good pass catcher. He's the fastest running back they have. Um, so this setting for him should be totally fine, game script-wise. Uh, the matchup doesn't seem obviously great. But when Mahomes is on and when the Chiefs' offense is on, they can just kind of make a defense lose its composure. And if that happens, I think I can imagine Damian running on them well. Obviously, Spencer Ware is on IR, so that's one less concern. You might say McCoy's a, as much or a bigger concern. I don't. I think Ware is better than McCoy, actually, at this point. So 
I think Damian Williams sets up fine too. I, I my issue with the Chiefs is I just don't know who it is that's going to do something. I feel like someone will though. Okay, yeah, I feel, I feel comfortable that the Chiefs will, will be able to to get this one done by a couple of scores there. And I think uh, you brought up an earlier point here about the the way the Chiefs' defense has been playing of late. And you know, if the Chiefs' offense forces the issue and forces uh, the Chargers to be in catch up mode, I think we've seen. Uh, what Rivers at this stage looks like when, when that is on the table for him. I mean, we saw that that Vikings game a couple weeks ago with the with the five interceptions or whatever it was, and Melvin Gordon had a couple fumbles in that one too. But I think the you know the Chiefs have a pretty opportunistic defense, so you tack that onto a very turnover prone um, offense, and I, I think the Chiefs' defense becomes one of my favorite DFS defenses this week or streaming yeah. defenses. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're, they're playing pretty well generally. Uh, they're not exactly strong everywhere. Bashad Breland is still terrible, and it's it's funny to me that uh, uh, sorry, who were the Chiefs playing just this last week? They I can't remember. Uh, anyway, they, I, I forget too. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll pull that up. But uh, Bashad Breland is there on the left side of the defense every play, and whoever it was was running. Oh, uh, the Bears, idiots. Uh, oh, that uh, game was yeah, so, so boring. <laughs> they kept running Allen Robinson against Shavarius Ward, who's the only good corner. Uh, Kendall Fuller probably pretty good too. Uh, he's just had a down year. But Chavarius Ward has been pretty solid, and especially against bigger receivers at the right corner spot, the left side of the offense. Bashad Breland cannot play, and they just wouldn't run Allen Robinson against him. It was infuriating. Um, but I don't even know if Rivers can can capitalize on that, even if they are putting Mike Williams on Breland every play. Uh, but watching Rivers throw the ball now, it's it's gone from like shot put to, um, at least in terms of like the accuracy of it and like the the velocity of it it's almost like he's throwing the football with a lacrosse thing or something like that like it's, it's just it's terrible it's not viable the way he's throwing the ball so um even breland might be able to do well even against a receiver way above his uh his talent level and mike williams so uh, i think keenan allen and mike williams you still like them uh season-long dfs whatever because you can imagine garbage time being there for them and they're both really good players so they don't necessarily need the garbage time I uh, don't know if I can get excited for Melvin Gordon at all, and even at Austin Eckler. They they stick with Melvin Gordon when they shouldn't at Austin Eckler's expense. So I think Eckler's the truth. I think he's I think he's awesome, like truly one of the best running backs in the league. And if if I could get some certainty that he'll get the ball here, I would I would always bet on him or almost always bet on him. Uh, but yeah, they they really like getting in third and long with Melvin Gordon. They just love it. They can't stop. No, yeah, they are addicted to that. They they absolutely love it. So yeah, avoiding that Chargers backfield for sure. Uh, let's move on over to this Vikings Bears game. Uh, Vikings only one point favorites in this one at home. This is a Bears team. It, it's been they've been impossible to figure out uh, against the spread this year. I feel like, and they've just and in general um, as well. And the Vikings. Uh, can be a little bit disappointing at times as well. They, they obviously lost that game down in Chicago earlier on in the season. How do you want? How do you see this one shaking out um, from you know both like a fantasy perspective and then result wise? Well, there's no Dalvin Cook, and this will be week three of Alex Madison and his high ankle sprain recovery. That's usually a four week injury. Like sometimes guys can come back before that fourth week by you know a few days, and they're still only eighty five percent healthy when they do so. I feel like Madison would have to be a really unusual case of recovery speed if he's able to do anything in this game. Uh, so I don't really expect him to play, but we'll see. Um, he he would play against Boone, of course, especially after how poorly it went for Boone 
last week. Uh, did you? Did, were you victimized by that at all? Did you end up picking up Boone anywhere and starting him? No, I would have if I had the chance. I I still like Boone. I don't really blame him for the way that went. Uh, but I was surprised at how out of hand the hype got it it was kind of similar to the patrick laird thing from a few weeks ago but people were serious this time uh was, <laughs> like that was kind of an irony thing people being like oh i think patrick laird is the best running back and you're like oh well he's joking i know he's joking uh there are people who's just like mike boone is so good he's going to murder the packers and it's like wow you seem you seem pretty serious about this and i thought he was going to do okay but what i had in mind for boone was something like 12 to 16 carries for you know 60 to 80 yards something like that maybe more than that if he breaks a 40 yarder uh, maybe a touchdown but i wasn't expecting him to do much as a pass catcher he did even less as a pass catcher than i expected him to uh, it was all amir abdullah and uh, cj ham even instead of boone so uh, that was a little disappointing if only because i've just been kind of like a, a slight boone fan since i saw him at cincinnati five right. years ago or whatever and uh yeah I, I had higher hopes for him there but i did catch some heat on twitter for uh saying on xm uh during our show that i, I thought he was getting a little bit uh overhyped or maybe I was, maybe i was on joe that day i can't remember but um yeah there are people just like do you even know dude that mike boone was a high school receiver and you i love i love the idea well? of someone mansplaining mike boone to you well if you're going to explain <laughs> anything to me please mansplain it i well of course yeah uh but i i just i was like I, I don't know, man. I, I like Mike Boone. I don't know why you guys are grilling me on this. And people are like, come on, man. You, wh- why are you such a Boone hater? So, and people are like, should I? You're He's not number one in your rankings. You're a coward. You're going to seriously play Marlon Mack over Mike Boone? Are you dumb, dude? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I I was surprised at how poorly it went, but I also didn't understand the uh, fervor initially. And I was one of those people who, back during the draft, w- would have said, like, I think Mike Boone is better than Alex Madison. I wouldn't have said that before that game. Like, I, Madison has been better than I expected, and I think in hindsight I missed some uh, things in his prospect profile that hinted at more talent than I gave him credit for. Um, but yeah, there was this. There was like part of it was this thing on the on Twitter where people were like Mike Boone is literally better than Madison. He's going to kill the Packers. I thought he was going to do just fine against the Packers. I didn't think he was going to kill them. But uh, yeah, he he totally flopped and. I, I guess I'm just kind of like I don't know. Maybe Boone isn't good. I don't. I don't really know what to think now. Either way, like that will that will always like live in fantasy infamy because I mean, so many people's. I, I hosted the the XM show on Monday in place of, of Liss and Jeff, so I had to do the uh, the chances to win uh, segment. And every question that came in was involving Mike Boone. It was oh, God. amazing, like both via calls. And on Twitter, so I mean, there were there was so much writing on this, you know, basically at this level, mostly unproven, you know, is just using projection and prospect profile to to try to figure out what was going to happen on Monday night. And like you said, it, it just it went way way it, like it jumped the shark in a way that was incredible. He played eighteen snaps. Yeah, yeah, insane. And then um, you know, for it to flop the way it did, people people will always remember that will be one of the more like memorable fantasy things, not just from this season. But like any time that something crazy happens that last week of the season, uh, I think that we'll see like Mike Boone used as a verb. Yeah, so I I don't really see much hope for the Vikings offense here, both because I don't know if we can expect their starters to play much. That Thielen Diggs, uh, Rudolph, I don't know if we can expect them to play more than – I don't know if we can expect them to play at all. Uh, there doesn't really seem to be anything the Vikings can gain for, for winning here. And, right. Uh, so it might just kind of be a preseason game for the Vikings – in which case, 
Uh, it would be pretty funny if Mike Boone had a big game here, though. <laughs> you got to admit that. That yes. would be pretty great. So I hope he does. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put one uh, Boone uh, tournament lineup just to kind of like spite the universe, uh, knowing full well it's still a bad idea. I like this. And then on the Bears' side, I mean, do, you, do we think that like maybe this is like a Trubisky trying one last gasp to, here to change the change the brass's mind? I'll say Allen Robinson, and uh, I don't know if I like Miller as much in the slot. I, I think the Mackenzie Alexander is a good corner, but those outside corners have been playing terrible for the Vikings all year. Allen Robinson is so good, and as much as Trubisky is incredibly bad, I think you can also reason that Trubisky was just having one of his – you know, inoperably bad games against the Chiefs, which that's something that can happen to any player generally, but especially when you're as bad as Trubisky, when you aren't accurate, when you, you don't know how to read defenses, the range of outcomes can sometimes tilt bad in every single category and you might just not be able to do anything. But just by dumb luck, I think he'll be better most weeks than that. And Allen Robinson can't be covered generally. I don't think the Vikings corners can do it. So as long as Robinson's out there, I kind of like him for a tournament play, but I don't really want to chase Chubisky and I don't want to, I don't want to bet on two bears pass catchers doing a lot. Cause I don't know that just, it could happen. And you know, there's, there's those, uh, Brock Osweiler, Albert Wilson versus the bears last week, uh, last year scenarios where anything can truly happen in any given game. But I, I just, I don't have enough money to be betting on those long odds types of scenarios. No. So I, I think it's Robinson or nothing from, from that bears offense. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. So um, yeah, otherwise, like you said, that this is a Vikings team that is locked into its playoff spot. So I can't imagine that they're going to be trying to go full bore with their starters for all four quarters here. And again, that's, reflected in the spread a little bit uh, with them just being one point home favorites against a, a you know not very good Bears team uh, before we get on to our next game uh, we got a message from our friends over at armchair quarterback armchair quarterback is a real-time game where you predict the next play during a live football broadcast you know what the next play is going to be predict it and earn points climb the leaderboard and increase your chances to win tickets and other prizes it's the perfect way to make watching games more exciting. We have a special league for all RotoWire subscribers and we'll be posting the leaderboard online and we'll be mentioning them here. You can also form your own league with your fantasy friends. The full schedule and game information is available at armchairquarterback.com. Armchair Quarterback, make every game bigger. And we also have a message from our friends over at Yahoo. For sports and betting fans in the New Jersey area, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Sports betting is available today on Yahoo Sports and the Yahoo Sports app, powered by BetMGM. Yahoo Sportsbook, powered by BetMGM, allows fans nationwide to view betting odds across a variety of sports and users of legal age to bet in the state of New Jersey can click through the odds to place bets on BetMGM. New users 21 or older in New Jersey can make their first $10 deposit and receive $100 in free bets. Go to BetMGM.com slash Yahoo to get started and for full offer terms and conditions. Also, Yahoo Daily Fantasy continues to launch new fantasy contests every day. Visit Yahoo.com slash Daily Fantasy to enter an NFL, NBA, or NHL contest today all right let's move on over to this patriots dolphins game the dolphins uh boy uh for, for a team that uh was kind of and we, we talked about this at length especially you know in september when they they were kind of in there reaching their nadir 
what what we thought was going to be one of the worst NFL seasons period ever, but somehow they've you know they've turned things around here and, and could end the year with a respectable like a respectable record, especially uh, compared to what we thought they were going to be uh, back in September. And you know obviously at the cost of of a high draft pick, so there, there's a little bit of sting involved here with with the late season winning here. But I mean I don't know, man. Credit to the Dolphins for at least not quitting. Yeah, that was one thing Brian Flores never had any. We never had any reason to be worried about Brian Flores uh, failing to keep his team in the game. Like it, it can happen to any coach if things get bad and badly enough out of hand. But uh, by all accounts, the the players on the Patriots defense always loved him uh, when he was the, whatever it was, defensive backs, linebackers, defensive coordinator, those types of positions out there. And they they said he's a uniquely good leader. Things like that. The question of you know the the strategy in the game or pregame strategy, uh, the the talent evaluation is below zero grade. Uh, Fair. I don't know how <laughs> they can possibly like you got to just apologize publicly. I think for the Kenyon Drake thing, like that is just embarrassing. You cannot <laughs> you cannot beat more than bad teams in the NFL if you're going to put players that good on the bench and just leave them there to rot while literally the worst running back we've ever seen in the NFL plays ahead of him. I can't think of how, how can you do that worse? How could you possibly handle that worse? I, I don't even, I don't really know what there is. Uh, they would have, like, consider what kind of comp pick they would have gotten for Kenyon Drake if they had just started him all year and let him walk as a free agent. Uh, it would have been more than a sixth that could turn into a fifth. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be a third, but it wouldn't be a sixth that could turn into a fifth. And with how Drake has played in Arizona, if he had played like that all year, he would probably get a third round comp pick for them because he would get like nine, eight million a year in free agency or something stupid like that. And um, watch how much the Cardinals pay for him, by the way. They're going to they're going to end up paying more than they should. And the Dolphins will just get nothing but that fifth or sixth rounder instead of the uh, comp pick that would have been a third or a fourth based on the numbers that he's going to get paid so bad. But uh, anyway, they're not going to quit. Not unless the game gets too dreary and you know painful and out of hand or something, but I think it might because it's it's in Foxborough. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick's doing a great job lately, but that offensive line is still trash, and that Patriots defense still capable of causing a lot of pain for even good offenses. And this still isn't a good offense. It's it's a scrappy offense, and it's you know likable. Devontae Parker, really good player. But aside from that, they're they're kind of just a bunch of guys who are like overachieving and you know playing hard. Uh, it's good to see Gasicki gaining some momentum here, and credit to Flores for not tanking uh, Parker and Gasicki the way Adam Gase did. But uh, man, t- two out of three is bad in this case. I have to disagree with Meatloaf because he should have gotten all of Kenyon Drake and Parker and Gasicki on the field. Uh, he's not as bad as Gase. I think we can give him that though. Yes, so good. Good on him for for clearing that bar at, at the very least. And then uh, when it comes to the Patriots, they like we were talking about during the Chiefs game, they they do need to you know make this get this win to make sure that they uh, continue to get that first round by here and lock in uh, that number two seed. Um, I thought Rex Burkhead played well this past weekend. Um, what do you make uh, of the rest of the, these uh, New England like players from a fantasy aspect? So someone in that Patriots backfield will probably do something useful. I'm just so sick of trying to guess who, and in DFS, I'm not going to chase it. And season long, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense if you're in a points 17 week points league like us, uh, and you're just looking for somebody who's going to do something. Like chasing those Burkhead types, totally worth it. And you know, Sony Michelle could do something. 
Brandon Bolden could do something too, though. So I don't, I don't really want to try to chase those guys. I can't expect much from Julian Edelman, given how beat up he's been this year. But he could also do a lot of damage really quickly in this game. Like it wouldn't be surprising to me if he caught six passes in the first half, something like that. Uh, but you can also imagine him not catching six passes in the first half and then sitting out the second half. So I guess if I'm going with some Patriots pass catcher. I don't know. I, I guess I'll, I'll have to look at Sanu and uh, and Keel Harry. Sanu's at forty one hundred on DraftKings. That's kind of interesting to me, actually, because uh, that's cheap for a guy who, if he gets seven or eight targets, he's probably catching six of them, something sure. like that. Harry's actually more expensive at forty two hundred. So uh, I'll have to I'll have to revisit them closer to the weekend because I, I I'll think about that and I will think about Edelman too. But he's he's dealing with uh, the knee. And probably like a sternum rib thing, and the rib sternum thing has been, I want to say, at least three months, something like that. Now, uh, the knee, I think, is more recent, but still something that's probably going to be an issue maybe for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely Edelman. But again, like he's one of those dudes that like his leg has to be like falling off for him to to not be out there. But again, maybe the Patriots um, keep him on a pitch count Great this week and, and freshen him. Yeah, if he's out there and he's getting targets, he will catch them. I it's I do just worry about you know Fitzpatrick throws an interception for six, fumbles a couple times, something like that, and all of a sudden Burkhead and Bolden have two touchdowns and and uh, Edelman's you know going out after 25 snaps or something like that. And, and they just kind of put the chokehold on the, on the dolphins offense, the rest of the game. I don't know, something like that, but in tournaments, definitely the upside is there because if, if by some miracle, he plays the whole game or something, he could catch like 12 passes against that defense. Yeah. Easily, easily. If he's getting those targets. Um, and then one last thing on, on this game before we move on, uh, did you see Tom Brady try to uh, run into the end zone against the bills last week? and try to shake someone in the open field. Oh, no, I didn't. He did not. Um, Narrator, he did not. Uh, But maybe you should, maybe you should look at, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and DM that to you. It's uh, a pretty good clip. Um, All right, let's, let's move on. Uh, We got the bucks going up against the Falcons bucks, one point favorites in this one. This is one of those games that it means nothing really on either side for standings. These are both uh, teams that are eliminated, but um, had been playing, you know, pretty, pretty good football here down the stretch. And especially with it, with the Falcons, especially considering how they started the year off. And uh, a lot of my Georgia friends are also, so Atlanta Falcons friends or fans, and they are so mad that they keep on winning and costing themselves draft position. But hey, man, win so for fun. Quinn, baby. Yes, win for Quinn. <laughs> I I don't. I, to be serious, I don't hope that it happens. But it would be funny if it did. It would be funny if Quinn coached the Falcons for another ten years. Uh, but in this particular game. I don't know. Both of these teams are so weird. They've been all over the place all year. Julio so far this week hasn't been, or as of uh, yesterday anyway, he wasn't practicing. Uh, He's the kind of guy that I worry about for a game like this because it's one thing for for, uh, Dan Quinn to be like, come on, guys, get me that seventh win, you know, and another for the the team uh, front office and ownership to be like, Oh, you, you're going to do that with Julio, huh? He has, he he has just a limited practice on Friday, and you're going to make him play. Like that's that's a different thing for Quinn to push for. We'll see where it goes, though. I mean, if Julio returns to practice, I assume he'll want to play, and if he's sure. if he's clearly able to, then I think he clearly will play. But um, other than him, I don't know. Like Russell Gage had a pretty good game last week, but I just don't think he's very good. And I think these young corners for the Buccaneers are good. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting. 
looks like he's a good slot corner. That's going to be Gage's primary matchup, and I would lean toward the rookie. He just, they, all three of those corners look pretty good, two of them rookies, the other being Jamel Dean. Uh, they're all really f- – well, Carlton Davis is the least athletic of them, and I think he has like a four five three forty or something like that. Bunting Murphy and, and Dean, especially Dean, total burners. So I don't think they'll make it easy on those Atlanta pass catchers necessarily. Like even Julio, I'm not really going to take it for granted that he can beat – not that he can't beat, but like him beating Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean and the safety and the outside linebacker who's got an underneath zone to cut off the curl route, things like that. Uh, there's a lot that Julio has to play against. And Gage, I don't think, is good. Uh, Christian Blake is not a real NFL player. Olamide Zacchaeus, they haven't been giving him the chances lately, and I think he he should be playing Gage's position anyway. So I can see that passing game suffering a little bit for it, but not Austin Hooper. I don't know how he could possibly fail at this point, especially in PPR. Uh, Just such a big target share, and the Falcons are still throwing the ball a lot. So... Uh, yeah, I like Hooper quite a bit, but I don't know if I want to put him in like a stack scenario. It's it's a valid thing. It's a valid approach, you know, especially with the the short ish slate that we have. But I don't really like the matchup that much for Matt Ryan personally. Okay, yeah, that that all definitely adds up there. Um, I mean, the, for whatever reason, this uh, this Bucks defense has has kind of galvanized itself a little bit here down the stretch there, and I think you had an early scent on that. Um, young cornerback group starting to gel as the season progressed there and that it definitely uh has seem seemingly uh, occurred here in, in recent weeks there so yeah not not as much of a green light on this falcons passing game as it was previously especially if julio isn't playing uh the full complement of snaps there and then on the buccaneer side uh what are you seeing here well perriman seems to be doing okay and i i don't know if what i think of justin watson exactly but getting snaps getting targets so it's if Jameis is playing the whole game and Bruce Arians is playing to win, especially with the slate being as unstable as it is, I can't really make an argument against those guys. I guess I should pull up their DraftKings prices to see uh, what kind of what kind of change we're talking here. Oh, sixty seven hundred for Paramount. They have caught up to him. Okay, uh, that's that's quite a bit. Uh, Justin Watson more affordable at forty nine hundred. I would expect him to be higher owned a li- by a little bit. Uh, because of that lower price and the similar target volume that the two have been earning, um, yeah, I don't. I'm not really inclined to chase that in DFS. I think I think those guys, and especially Perriman, are more season long kind of plays for me, just because of the price. It, it's, um, yeah. I, I think the, I think the projection is totally fine for him, though. I'm going to need uh, Perriman uh, on Sunday to to do some things because, that, that, like you said, that stake league um, it does have that week 17 component to it, and I think I've you're been okay, John. I think, uh, I think you're okay. Oh, is there, I know I'm going to eat the highest point total uh, bonus with benzene. Is that what it is? Um, I think that there's that. I should have him sealed on, on that one. But I've already uh, won everything there is to win. So uh, I have to play Len because there's the other stake league too. And then the, uh, after after week 16 oh. concludes, there's the week 17 like Uber okay. championship game, which is like for. I don't okay, know. Apparently, not even that much money. Yeah, so we, okay, you do need Paramin to, to 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 make it one more week then. Okay, and I, I'm pulling for that, and he, he looked really good last He looked like, like an actual, not just one-dimensional receiver last right. week. So so seeing his second act here, even as you know a, a pretty uh, outspoken Ravens fan who uh, was displeased with how things went uh, in the early part of his career, 
I got to say, it's pretty cool to see him turn around, turn it around and reinvent himself here and, and you know, turn into a, a viable NFL receiver here down the stretch. Now he's gotten the opportunity. Yeah, the hands will always be a bit of an issue, I think, and I don't think he'll make up for it in the way that a Will Fuller type will. But um, there also might have been a bit of like an overly bitter kind of uh, overcorrection on Perriman, too, where it was the disgust of him as like a former first round pick bust, uh, maybe maybe kind of cloaked where were some really legitimately good traits that he has and and maybe this playing time these targets are kind of allowing him to grow a little bit in recent weeks but uh yeah i don't think there's anything matchup wise that's a problem for him i mean desmond trufant's out for the year uh isaiah oliver can't really run that well can't i mean he can run okay but you got to be fast to run with perriman and he can't so yeah i think the matchup's pretty good and um you know as long as a I haven't pulled up the weather recently enough here. Let's see what the Tampa situation is. Um, all right, yeah, there there might be a little bit of uh, no. It looks pretty clean actually. It's going to be like eighty degrees there. So uh, warm weather and, and stable wind this late in the year is actually something worth chasing. Basically, uh, it, it really helps to to avoid bad weather, and uh, they're going to have summer weather there. Yeah, that's it. That's awesome. It perks of living in Florida, I guess. But um, yeah, so this is this, you know, like you said, the conditions for this game on top of everything else, uh, this might be a game to kind of focus, focus your attention on for, for DFS purposes or, or streaming uh, uh, receivers or anything like that, because it feels like this could be a relatively high scoring game on both sides where things aren't really a given elsewhere on the slate and speaking of which uh, we got the Steelers going into Baltimore to face the Ravens Steelers obviously need a win the Ravens uh, have already announced that they're going to be resting a lot of their key starters here and thus the Steelers come in as two-point road favorites here I will be in attendance for this game uh, look forward to going even though I'm not going to be able to see L- Lamar Jackson go in person uh, but what, what do you make of this one I think I agree with the Steelers being favored a bit because their defense is still sick, and as much as their offense is just embarrassing, especially the, the quarterback position, I think the Steelers' defense is, you know, they, they always show up to games in the division, and uh, they show up against the Ravens, and they're, they're actually good, and they actually cause a lot of disruption, and they're going to be dirty, and, you know, they're, they're going to make it a really painful game, I think, for the, for the Baltimore backups. Uh, so Gus Edwards is someone who I think makes plenty of sense in tournaments in dfs and in season long it's like the guy's probably going to get uh the rough equivalent of a starter workload for the for the ravens offense like it actually might be more than usual too because part of mark ingram hovering around 14 15 attempts per game was because of lamar jackson being the threat that he is as a runner and although robert griffin still looks fast uh i think it was in that jets game you saw him run with the ball, and it's it's so immediately clear. Like he still gets himself clobbered no matter what. Right. You can you can have speed, and speed is really useful certainly. But you watch him play, and it's clear this guy does not know how to run. Like he, he no. knows how to run just fast, but he doesn't know how to run football wise. Whereas Lamar Jackson is the polar opposite. Like he's just surreal. His his ability to to, to correctly you know discern where where he needs to run and when he needs to lean and and get low and and avoid hits things like that griffin is like running blindfolded and he's gonna get himself hit pretty hard in this game hopefully he's okay Uh, yeah honestly would not be shocked if i see trace mcsorley in this game on sunday yeah i wouldn't be surprised either i like griffin i hope he does well it would be a cool story if he uh 
denied the Steelers their dreams um, and, and, you know, got out without any concussions or anything. Uh, like Gus, but I just I think that Pittsburgh defense has the advantage there. Justice Hill, I don't have any hopes for in this game. Really? Even with uh, Justice Hill looking good on, on his workload uh, late in the uh, game against the, the Browns? It's interesting. I just I just don't really care that much because um, Justice Hill to me is still a guy who is a backup. Like he's I know people got all excited because he's he's quick and he's fast and in the preseason he did a good run or whatever. Uh, But he's still young for the level. He still probably isn't as physically developed as he'll be in a year or two. And I think that the Steelers defense is really good and uh, they won't get let him get any yardage after contact. Meanwhile, they're fast, and I don't know if they'll really give him uh, much yardage before contact either. So he, he's fast, and he's quick, and if there's space, he can take it. I just don't know if the Steelers' defense being as generally good as it is and as fast as it is, if it's, going, if it's a likely defense to give him that opportunity. Whereas with Gus, at least, I can imagine him running over those inside linebackers a little bit, especially if they have to spend 35-plus minutes on the field. Um, but I don't especially ex- expect that. So with Gus, I'm I'm trying to just um, you know balance the upside of maybe 15 plus carries versus the downside of maybe averaging three and a half or less per carry. But if the Steelers do come out flat for whatever reason, and I really don't expect that, but if they do, Gus is I think uh, more of a big play threat than people give him credit for. Um, he, he's definitely like a hammer in the middle of the field, and he's he's mostly there function wise to just meat tenderize the defense basically so that Lamar and Mark Ingram can do uh more of the big play work but he was he was a big play guy at Miami uh, even though he's a big back like he, he was he was a guy who was always over six yards a carry and then he just got hurt a bunch so uh if if uh, those inside linebackers aren't playing well I do think Gus is good enough to make them pay I just worry about you know especially if they're putting if they're rotating in backup linemen that's a way for it to just fall apart against the Steelers defense I think Okay, my, my question for you then is, you know, with the overall context here in this game where the Ravens are going to be looking at essentially three weeks between the time that their starters uh, play and then play in the playoffs, and Mark Ingram obviously dealing with that calf injury, looks like he's going to be good to go in that divisional round there, but uh, even with that, can you... Do you think that the Ravens might not necessarily take that for granted and, you know, they wouldn't want to burn burn out Gus Edwards necessarily or uh, get him exposed to increased risk here this week you know because then if he gets hurt then the Ravens enter the playoffs with potentially uh, their third string running back yeah that's a that's a good point I don't know how I don't know what they'll think about Gus Edwards exactly but I actually am a, a bit of a Gus Edwards truther of course and I think that he is actually a very important part of their starting offense because uh, right. not, not because he, not because they specifically look for him to yardage, but he's a credible threat in the middle of the field where the defense, they know it's like Lamar Jackson can keep that ball and go outside. And they're, they're, they're more afraid of that than anything on any given play, but it just doesn't matter if, if you don't defend Gus Edwards first, because if you don't defend that it's yeah, maybe he's not going to put up a uh, 140 yards on 10 carries the way Lamar can, but he will get 10 yards every time if you don't keep the, the, the middle of the field defended and, and you can't uh, cut off the Lamar Jackson outside sprint unless you want to abandon the middle of the field. So unless defenses are, have 12 men on the field, they just have to let one of those guys go every time. And uh, maybe they'll come up with a better idea of how to stop them in the future. But right now, 
the NFL is at a complete loss. And Gus Edwards is a part of that. He he keeps the defense honest when Ingram needs a breather, does well on his own part when he is out there. And more importantly, if Mark Ingram were unavailable, such as you know what was nearly the case here, Justice Hill just can't imitate those functions. You can maybe stop Lamar Jackson if Justice Hill is the running back because that same in the middle that same threat in the middle doesn't exist anymore. And, sure. And, uh, don't get me wrong. I'd still bet on Lamar, but I really do think that Gus Edwards is valuable insurance. And the guy plays 20, 30 snaps every game as it is. So um, he's insurance behind Ingram, but he, he also is very good at what he does. And his, his task is indispensable for that offense. It is. So I don't know with, with that, maybe they, they want to keep it, keep him relatively fresh or, or, you know, just not exposed to uh, the big hits from the Steelers defense, they but pick somebody else. We'll right? I don't know who they, because, uh, because if Ingram's out this week, they need a third running back. I feel like, and uh, I don't know. I know that the Lance Turner or whatever is on the chargers or something. He's not with uh, the Ravens. I'm trying to pull up Gus Edwards's player page on RotoWire because uh, trying to see if we have anybody new on the depth chart yet sometimes doesn't look like it sometimes they make that call on friday or saturday um so i expect we'll see somebody brought up but yeah if they don't then justice hill will have to play 30 snaps if they don't add a third running back yeah and i think that he'll see all the passing down work so i don't know i'm i'm i might be a little bit more intrigued by Hill uh, than you, but I, I mean, I think you have ever, pretty good yeah. characterizations. Yeah, and I thought Hill for the first time all season kind of looked like he he wasn't guessing about what he what his role was, what he was about to do. He just kind of uh, went out there and and you know just full speed ahead. And it, I thought it ended up the end result was him looking pretty impressive, starting to look like the guy that the Ravens hoped for uh, when they spent the draft pick on him. So I was I was encouraged by Hill, but. Again, there's going to be a lot of factors working against him this week with that Steelers defense. Right. Although the Ravens could be set up in short fields fairly often because Devlin Hodges, um, he's he's more like fourth quarter of the last preseason game than last game of the regular season when you when you need a playoff win or win to get into the playoffs. He's yeah, I he's, can't really describe it. He's not better than Mason Rudolph, and Mason Rudolph is comically bad. So uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, all those duck hats bought for nothing in Pittsburgh. Terrible duck hats. Well, wh- whoever made the duck hats at least uh, was able to bank that and and, and yeah. quickly move off of it. Quick so rollout really paid off there. Cheers to that. But yeah, it, otherwise, it is Pittsburgh offense. I, I don't expect them to score much, but I, like I don't Connor expect the Ravens to score. Actually, okay. Just cause the, the Baltimore run defense has been average at best, I think, this year. and. Uh, some of that might have been like them conceding the run a little bit, the way like Mike Pettin has talked about in Green Bay all year. Uh, but Connor's a good player, and if if it's those starting Pittsburgh offensive linemen, and it's like the the Ravens are rotating in these guys who have played a hundred, one hundred and fifty snaps all year. Connor's that's Connor versus like a backup defense, you know. And and generally, I would lean toward him having a big advantage if so. Yeah, that, that's definitely a fair point there. And, you know, it, it's good to look in between the weeds there when it comes to the Steelers offense, because it, it's hard to, like, take off the blinders of Devlin Hodges being the, you know, the the quarterback of this offense and how it could just crater the entire end result. But Connor could still uh, get his in this He's one a quadriceps thing holding him out of practice so far. So I guess we got to monitor that first. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't, yeah. If, it, that if will Connor's be... out, I I'm still a hater on Benny Snell, so I, I'm probably gonna just I'm probably just gonna ignore them if if Connor's out. 
Just leave it alone. Yeah. All right. Let's move on over to the Cowboys going up against the Redskins. Uh, Cowboys, 10 and a half point favorites in this one. They need to win, but they need a win and some help to get in. So uh, we'll see what, what happens with that. But the Cowboys, boy, I mean, what a what a way for their season to kind of for all intents and purposes, end this past weekend going up against the a banged up Eagles team and, and still falling flat. Yeah, you love to see it. I don't know what's going to happen with Terry McLaurin and his concussion. That's a that's a bummer, but he's great if he's out there. I do think Steven Sims is a good player. The the other rookie, or the second of the three rookie receivers. But I also think Jordan Lewis is a good slot corner for Dallas. And I would definitely give Jordan Lewis the advantage there. Calvin Harmon. He's been promising more or less, especially for the readjusted expectations of, of a six-round pick versus you know the second-round kind of pedigree that people were trying to attribute to him back before uh, the combine way back uh, last year. But um, I don't know. It's like the Dallas, even even Dallas being failure-prone like they are, even with Chidobia Wuzier getting shown up in multiple games this year, I think Wuzier can handle Harmon. Like I, I, I think. Maybe two years from now, Harmon will have the better of him, but I think right now Awuzie can handle him, and Byron Jones isn't going to give up anything to Harmon, I don't think. So I don't know what Washington has going for it other than Adrian Peterson, and that might be enough, you know, certainly to cover. Uh, it's 11 points, whatever it is. Uh, Peterson's running hard, and Dallas has a way of just being weak and, and soft, and Peterson can definitely make a defense pay for being soft. Uh, I just don't expect whatever it is haskins keenum to have a whole lot going through the air yeah haskins wasn't practicing as of uh wednesday it looked like so i, I doubt that he ends up play, it looks like he's not going to play in the finale there so it should be keenum out there and that's too bad because uh haskins i thought was starting to yeah. starting to turn that corner here yeah i i don't know what to make of him long term but he's shown some progress and if, if he just has basic you know mental and mechanical details of quarterback play down then he still has he has a bunch of physical talent definitely uh it it was more like you know he's making too slow of decisions moving his feet too slowly starting his throwing motion too slowly slowly for his arm to come into play but then you have a game like last week and even a little bit the one before that where he's, he's starting to tighten up the process a bit and you're starting to see the arm uh manifest on the field a little bit more and yeah i mean i was oh sorry I was so sold on him in the pre-draft process from what he did at Ohio State to where like even when he was insanely bad to to kind of begin his his professional tenure I still didn't think that it was going to be the the damning um this guy you got to write him off right away thing like I knew that it would take some time there and and obviously there were going to be some growing pains but I think it, even with a relatively small sample of good play out of Haskins, you know, a game and a half worth, uh, really, there I think there's still enough in those games to where you can be pretty confident that he'll end up being uh, a you know a serviceable NFL quarterback at the very least. Yeah, I you know it's granted it's getting tougher to say this nowadays, but uh, I still think I if I were building a team and especially if I were paying the uh, current market prices for everybody involved I actually still prefer Dwayne Haskins to Daniel Jones but that's that's uh that's me being a little uh I'm still gripping my pre-draft. Yeah, I would be I'd be furious at you if you had flip-flopped on that already. But uh I mean Daniel, I think I can both believe Daniel Jones is better than I thought and that Haskins is still better and you know as bad as Haskins has been and as as much as Jones has exceeded my expectations I'm not for a second willing to to admit that uh, that Haskins wouldn't do something similar with a supporting cast like Jones has in in uh, New York, and that 
D- Daniel Jones wouldn't implode in Washington because I think he would because I think pretty much any rookie quarterback would. Um, but yeah, Jones has been better than what I thought. And importantly for this game, uh, not to, to cross subjects too much, but Daniel Jones can beat that Eagles team, I think. And Dallas has to play hard, though. Obviously, like Dallas is not going to um, uh, give up in this game in any scenario, but th- they won't be able to have like the despair distracting them. In my opinion, because I don't think that the the Giants are going to fall obviously out of contention for that game, uh, or at least not early enough in the game for it to affect the Dallas box scores. But Dallas has some injuries too; they got to keep track of, like Tyron Smith. Um, it's it's defense, but if Demarcus Lawrence is out, that makes me a little more optimistic for Adrian Peterson. Um, but yeah, Zeke, if he can't do something here, I don't know what the hell's going on. So I expect him to be good. Uh, Cooper, I'm not getting my hopes up for, but if he's out there, uh, well, actually. I guess we got to see what these. Uh, I don't know what Dak's shoulders condition is going to be, but these Washington corners might be uh, even worse than what we've seen in Miami this year because Quinton Dunbar has been out. Uh, Jimmy Moreland, who is something like their cornerback five to start the year, he's out. I don't even know who's playing corner for them anymore because Fabian Moreau, uh, he might be out too. He was out last week. So they were kind of down to like their seventh and eighth, ninth corners last week, and, and Jones, Daniel Jones for the Giants just you know dismembered them. Uh, right. So if Dak can can throw it all, these guys cannot cover, and it's not their fault. They're not supposed to be playing, and certainly not against receivers like Cooper and Gallup. No, that, definitely not. So uh, you know, if if Dak is uh, healthy enough to get out there, that, and obviously that, that's the expectation right now, uh, going up against. 10 string corners i think that sets up well for this cowboys passing attack and again you figure that the cowboys are going to be playing a 60 minute game here let's uh, rapid fire through a couple couple more of these games that don't have so much uh playoff implication uh let's get into the broncos uh raiders game and also the indianapolis jacksonville game yeah so broncos raiders i'm not really inclined to go with that one a whole lot i don't, I don't know what the latest is on josh jacobs but it I, I really wish oh. he Instagram that he had a surgery last night. Oh, so is he on IR? No, I don't oh, think wow. so. Uh, well, anyway, I, it was kind of frustrating that they keep putting him out there for more hits in a, a meaningless uh, season, in my opinion. But uh, I do. I like guys like Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton uh, and season long. I think you're generally starting them, but I, I don't know if I can convince myself that I expect them to be good enough to chase in tournaments and DFS. We'll see. They're on the table. Okay, yeah, and and Lindsey, uh, you know, at, I think by virtue of the of the Broncos wearing the excellent uniforms last weekend, I was a little bit more inclined to watch them than I usually would be. And Lindsey looked really impressive, I yeah, thought. I like so go, he's good. going up against the Raiders, that uh, should set up uh, reasonably well for him. But uh, as far as like the those Raiders backup running backs, do you have any faith in streaming either of those guys? No. No. <laughs> okay. Just All right. No. Fair enough. <laughs> and then, the you know, it's been really good. Uh, yeah. I don't think best ball stonks Harris. So I think, you know, if you, if you want to go at that one, I'm not going to argue against it. Yeah, exactly. Um, otherwise not really, uh, not going after drew lock or anything no. uh, like that or any pass catcher other than Cortland Sutton when it comes to the Broncos. All right, let's move on to that AFC, uh, South matchup with the Jags in Indianapolis. Okay. So Jags and, and, Colts have been tough for me to figure out all year. Uh, Fournette's had one of the weirder seasons I can remember. Like, a good season, but for, for the number of touches he gets in some, some of these games, the yardage he posts, I don't know why the, the touchdowns haven't been on more of a convenient schedule uh, and, and in greater quantity. Um, but I don't trust the Jacksonville passing game. I know uh, 
you know, I, I like Minshew enough long term, and I think those receivers are good. But I, I just don't know if Marone has a grip. Like it seems like they've kind of lost composure. The offensive line has been a big problem for, I guess, most of the second half of the year. So I kind of I feel like there's a lot of ugly risk in this game. And uh, aside from Marlon Mack on the Colts side, I don't think I'm really inclined to chase anybody here. But if I was going with a Jaguars player, I guess it would probably be Fournette. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the prices for chark um yeah he's beat up and he's 5800 which is is a fair price on DraftKings, but it's not cheap enough where i'm I'm willing to overlook the struggles of Minshew lately right and uh again circling back there when it comes to fournette he is 7k over on DraftKings. okay 7k let me look it up here um that's the fit oh no that's that's like the 12th or something like that so that's definitely a fair price i think i would uh, he's one hundred dollars more than Marlon Mack. Incidentally, uh, don't know what this. Uh, let me see what Fournette's on the injury report. Oh, he has a neck issue and he did not practice today after a limited practice yesterday. So we have to take that seriously. He he perhaps might not play if that doesn't take a turn for the better uh, tomorrow. Okay, so uh, put this name in in your uh, Rolodex then. Raquel Armstead. Sure, uh, let's must be around like minimum price on DraftKings because I I don't think that Fournette injury was known uh, on Tuesday or whenever. Uh, Armstead is never mind. He's forty four hundred, so that's one of those things. Like fair enough if you want to. I don't think it's cheap enough for for me to really go at it. I'm not sure what I think of Armstead as a player. All I really know is he's a he's pretty fast for how big he is. He's like two twenty, runs the four four five or whatever. And that explosiveness was always on tape at Temple. I don't know how good his vision is though, because he was never as productive as you would think a guy as strong and fast as him would be for Temple. And he definitely never did anything as a pass catcher. Also had a way of getting hurt quite a bit. So that led me to compare him to Chris Ivory as a prospect for whatever that does for anybody. Okay. So keep that in mind and, you know, adjust your expectations there accordingly. And and like you said, you don't, you're not getting the ridiculous, uh, sort of discount on him that you were like, you know, like a Boston Scott or something a couple weeks ago. Uh, not quite like that. So you're actually paying a real running back price a little bit there, uh, when it comes to him. Uh, let's get on over to this Rams Cardinals game. Yeah. I think that the Rams are motivated because if anything, they want to, they want to like build the brand back up for Jared Goff, keep his confidence up going into the off season. And why not against the team that he had the 400 yards against uh, two or three weeks ago? So right. I like Goff quite a bit in this game. There's nothing that's changed for me that would make him uh, worse than the last time around. And I thought the last time around was a pretty easily foreseen good game for him. So same deal here. Uh, Robert Woods was a monster the last time. I think that'll remain the case. Cooper Cup, there's no reason to think too much about him. He's always going to do something. And if, and if Goff has a good game by chance, cup can do quite a lot. So, uh, I don't think Brandon cooks sets up that great, but they got him going more last week. So that's uh, good to see, I guess, but I, I would stick with woods and cup if at all possible in DFS. And, uh, if I was using cooks, I guess tournaments, it makes some sense, but I, I just, I feel like Woods and Cup would need to struggle a little bit to get open for, for Cooks to come into play to that extent, and I don't see that happening. So uh, what constitutes a good game for Cooks at, at this in this likely setting, I think, isn't, good, isn't high enough upside-wise to make the risk especially worth it. Okay, and I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Tyler Higby and what oh, he's yeah. done here down the stretch. I mean, is he like... A- a lock top 10 type of tight end for you come draft season next year. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. I think he's really good. Um, 
I don't have a good explanation as to why it took this long for them to give him the chance, but I, I really honestly did believe he was always better than Gerald Everett. And uh, Everett, I thought, was still solid, like interesting or whatever. But um, when they had Higby just blocking all the time, I was like, well, I guess I was wrong about that. Uh, but then they just let him play the Gerald Everett position for the first time four weeks ago or whatever it was, and he just dominated immediately. Against the Cardinals. And he hasn't stopped since then. So nope. Uh, I don't know why against the Cardinals he would fall back down to earth. He will maybe be the chalkiest tight end on the slate, even at 5,600. Uh, he had been more in that like 3,800, 4,800 kind of range. And uh, the price is still a little low, I think. Like, I think there's a case to to rank him top among tight ends this week. Yeah, I, I think so too, especially going up against this Cardinals defense that's been laughably bad um, against tight ends this year. So Higby, 200 bucks less than Austin Hooper and 400 less than a banged up Zach Ertz. So keep that in mind. I definitely like Higby a fair bit this week as well. Really strong end of the season from him. Uh, let's get on over. Uh, speaking of Zach Ertz, we got uh, the Eagles going up against the Giants here. How are you seeing that one? Uh, I, I feel like Daniel Jones should have another good game here. He's he's better than I thought he'd be, and more importantly than even whatever I think about him, the, the matchup should be so, uh, solid for him. And I just love those receivers that he has. I think all of Shepard, Tate, Slayton are quite good. Caden Smith is apparently a totally good backup tight end. I uh, don't know if, if, if uh, what is the latest on Ingram? I always, even when he had that foot issue announced, I was like, just shut him down for the year. Uh, so I don't know why they would particularly put him at. Yeah, especially if, if Caden Smith is, oh, he's got, sur- uh, he, he's, he's, uh, Evan Ingram underwent surgery last week, it looks like. Oh, that sucks. Um, anyway, it's, it's uh, good that he's not risking it further, I suppose. But yeah, I like Caden Smith quite a bit. I don't know if they'll maybe have him block a little bit more against uh, the Eagles, but their corners have been so bad and Darby went on IR. So Russell Douglas is back out there. He really cannot run with Darius Slayton, but I think that's who his matchup will be. So Slayton somehow disappeared last week. He had one target on uh, whatever and, and Jones throwing for three fifty and five or whatever it was. Yeah. There's a, there's a certain level of cruelty to that happening. I think, I think Slayton's dealing with a bit of a knee issue right now. Okay. I, the, the way I took it at the time was just that when it's so easy to throw to everybody else, the quarterback might not, wait long enough in his drops to go to the deeper option which slayton is and shepherd and tate more so underneath caden smith uh he, he ran like a 492 at the combine so he's definitely not stretching the field um there's a similar risk of that against the eagles of course i mean they, they're uh they're they're just not good in the secondary tate and uh and uh sterling shepherd are quite good so they could get open so quick that Daniel Jones doesn't even wait for Slayton to get open, but it looks like Slayton should play. And if Jones looks to him, I think he's going to be open. So I'm inclined to bet on progression toward the mean for Slayton here, just because um, I just, you know, how many times is, how many passes can Daniel Jones really throw uh, with just one of those targets going to Slayton? I, I feel like he's going to get something like five, six, seven targets in this one. And against Douglas, he can just torch him like easily. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, that all of that kind of adds up to part of the reason why the Giants are one of my favorite underdogs for this week. Yeah, I don't get me wrong. It's like it seems it seems wrong somehow for Dallas to to come out on top of something. And that's that's the main reason that I'm like not picking the Giants. But I can't see concern on the offense for the Giants, whereas even against a crap Giants defense, I'm not really taking it 
all that much for granted with with uh, the Eagles. I mean, they they kind of had to use some magic last week. Carson Wentz played great, probably maybe his best game of the year. But I mean, I think he needs to play similarly good to keep this a safe win for Philadelphia. And I, I feel like that's just kind of asking a lot of him. Um, but good matchup for Greg Ward, JJ Ortega, Whiteside showed a little bit more last week. So uh, if Ertz can play through his rib thing, those guys should be fine. It's just. I really think I would take the sum of Jones, Shepard, Slayton, Tate over the sum of Wentz, Ward, Ortega, Whiteside, and Ertz. Like that's just uh, that's that's because I respect those Giants receivers so much. Exactly. Um, so, and, and again, with the Eagles struggling against the pass, um, I think that this this game could be a little bit more interesting than, than what Eagles fans are hoping for on Sunday. Points. I feel like this is going to be like a three point kind of game. Okay, and that boy, that would be. Uh, uh, if you're an Eagles fan, that's an excruciating way to, you know, like finish out the year and you still have to just eke out the win over the Giants there. And then we got one more game for the main slate here, and then we'll get to the night game to wrap things up here. We got the Titans uh, going into Houston uh, to face off against the te- uh, the Texans. The Texans already have the division wrapped up here. Um, so the expectation, um, even though the Titans are on the road here, is the Titans will be able to come away with the win. They obviously are playing for uh, their playoff lives here. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Yeah, I don't know if it's in the nature of the Titans to to provide a big day on offense where multiple guys give the tournament returns that we're looking for. But A.J. Brown is probably a top-12 receiver in the NFL already, so with a guy like him, he's just... He's creeping up your board. You You were top-20... Uh, top 15 and that now we're into the top 12 yeah don't get me wrong there's a bunch of good players in that range and it's it's really tough to rank the top elite receivers right now in my opinion but uh i i am high enough on uh, aj brown that i I really think that within a year he could be the best receiver in the league especially if guys like julio are falling off and especially if odell beckham has like more uh you know injuries nagging him a little bit um but he, AJ Brown has shown that he will get the target share like almost I don't know if I can say almost always but it's it's been enough games in a row now that I would say like most of the It'd be weird if he didn't most of the time even if Ryan Tannehill only throws like 25 passes AJ Brown should still get six at least um and and with room for more and if Tannehill somehow throws 40 passes then AJ Brown could be pushing for 200 yards in that case but in this case, uh, yeah, the, the matchup is fine. I don't think those guys can cover him. Uh, they might have a reason to use him because between Derrick Henry, uh, his his uh, hamstring or whatever, uh, it might just be easier to throw on the Texans than run on them. And, you know, if you're throwing, you're going to A.J. Brown first. But, uh, yeah, I think all of Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, um, the tight ends, Jonu Smith, they're finally giving him more work as a pass catcher, but they should have been doing all along. I was tilting so hard when I benched him last week against you, but then Mark Andrews found his way. Oh, yeah, Andrews had a big game. Um, but, yeah, Johnny Smith is really good, and I, I hope Rabel gets it. You know, he's really good as a receiver, so use him that way. Um, but in any case, uh, A.J. Brown, and um, I, I would not chase Tajay Sharp. He still isn't good. His big plays this year have been on, like, broken, improvised plays with Tannehill. Uh, Sharp is not good. He's, he's not as good as Corey Davis or Adam Humphreys. Okay, and then uh, how are you approaching the Texans here with, with it in mind that, um, you know, yeah. I don't know. I'm sick of these guys. I'm just, Bill O'Brien is a moron, and he's going to lose in the first round of the playoffs, and I can't wait. 
Yeah, another home playoff loss uh, for these Texans, who I believe have won the division now four out of the last five years. Division uh, King Bill O'Brien gets let's give him a round of applause, everyone. He did it. Hang, hang those banners, baby. And then um, let's round things out here. Uh, the night game, we got the Niners, three-point favorites, going on the road to face a Seahawks team that, boy, the injury bug hit at the worst possible time. Yeah, I was worried about Kyler Murray going into that scary road environment against the Seahawks, and I think most of the time that would have been a scenario where it could go really wrong for the Cardinals, but the Seahawks are just so beat up, and on defense especially, uh, they're they're halfway to their own kind of Washington corner situation, uh, or at least last week they were. Um, I'm trying to pull up the um, – they're not updating their Week 17 injury report, uh, slackers. So I don't, I don't know what the deal is with uh, Shaquille Griffin most, most recently, but he's the left corner, plays against the right side receiver. He's really good corner. He's been out, I want to say, two weeks now. And uh, the right corner, Trey Flowers, uh, Nico Thorpe, whoever it is, they're all bad. And uh, they, like, as in I don't know if they'll be on an NFL team next year, kind of bad – uh, the slot coverage has been bad all year for the Seahawks. They've had to use a lot of like KJ Wright and Michael Kendricks just doing zone coverages in the base defenses. So it should be clear for a whoever it is, a Kittle certainly, but then I feel like Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, if, especially if Sha- Shaquille Griffin is out, it's just green lights everywhere, even though it is in Seattle because uh, they showed like it really can get bad enough that it, that it's like the home field advantage doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and if, if enough injuries happen to any team, it can all fall apart and looks like it's kind of happening to them. So, uh, Quandre Diggs, the safety is important too. I don't know if he's going to be able to play after missing last week. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo can be bad in this game and still be incapable of screwing it up. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's a pretty fair summation there. Um, and then what do you make of the Seattle offense here, um, especially uh, with what what answers they have remaining here at running back? And, of course, what do you think of Marshawn Lynch? I don't think either any of those running backs will do a whole lot. I'd, I'd like to see – I like all three of those guys, Turbin and Lynch and Travis Homer, but uh, I don't think they are equipped to, to do what the Seahawks need them to uh, especially on the short notice in the case of the veterans. And on and Homer's case, I like him quite a bit as a prospect. To me, he's the same prospect as Justice Hill, but that that's, also, that's also in the negative sense, which is that he's also young for, for his experience level and underdeveloped physically. And basically, he was supposed to be redshirting this year. Uh, he's not supposed to be in this position of responsibility right now. So uh, he was definitely a little overwhelmed last week. People keep talking about his uh, rushing yardage on the year, but he's been much worse than it looks at a glance because the 30-yarder or whatever was on a punt fake or something like that, I want to say. Maybe I'm mixing that up. Maybe he had a shorter... One of his good runs this year was on a punt fake, direct snap, though, so it wasn't uh, out of the backfield. Um, But Homer was always... He was like a six-yard-to-carry lock at Miami. Uh, He he had a good combine... Um, like, like I actually think he's a, he's similar athletically to a guy like even like Miles Sanders or something like that. But uh, he, he only turned 21 shortly before the year started. I think he's a little too light, a little too wide-eyed right now to do very well. But I'd like to see him do well because I, I do think he'll have his day as, as a pretty productive change of pace back, at least in the NFL. It's just, I don't know, last week he struggled and the first team reps might help him get better for this week. But it's it's just a just doesn't seem like a a good setting for him in my opinion i feel like the 49ers have a lot of advantages in this matchup 
So, I mean, what what do the Seahawks do here? I mean, they, they've been so reliant on the run over the course of the season. Now they have so many question marks uh, when it comes to that. Is this the game where they finally, you know, just say, Russ, go win it and, and you know, have him throw it upwards of 35, 40 times? I don't know if they hmm. – I, I guess they might try that. I don't know if it'll go well for Wilson, though, because uh, I like DK Metcalf. I like Tyler Lockett. I even like D- David Moore. But I just think that the, the with the 49ers corners healthy, and they've, they've got four really good corner or four corners who are very productive for them at least. You know, maybe they're products of the system to various extents, but the system works. And Sherman's there, Kwan Williams is there, Akello Witherspoon's been really good. Emmanuel Mosley was good before uh, Witherspoon came back, so they've, they've, that's the fourth corner who's pretty good there. And uh, I just think that pass rush could be a big problem for Wilson. Like, I don't know if. I don't know if Wilson in a dropping back every snap scenario against a defense like the 49ers is likely to work well because uh, yeah, they, and they don't have Dwayne Brown. Yeah. If they, if they had worse corners on that defense, I could see a guy like DK Metcalf, you know, Lockett getting open, even if Wilson's dealing with a pass rush. But I think it's like those guys are going to be tied up in jams a lot. Uh, Wilson's just going to, I think, do a lot of I, I will say I think I like his chances of running for a bit more I, I would almost pick wilson to lead the team in rushing yardage actually um nice but i can see him having a a largely garbage time fueled box score of something like 280 yards two or three touchdowns and then two or three interceptions like i just i feel like he's going to be under a lot of heat in this game okay so with that uh, would you say that you're leaning towards the niners covering these three points up in seattle um it's up to three and a half i'm looking at covers and i guess that's kind of Maybe getting a little greedy, but yeah, I think they're going to win by a touchdown or something like that. That's what it, that's what it sounded like from from the tone of your uh, Seattle analysis there, and yeah, the the Niners uh, sets up uh, well for them. Okay, so that's going to wrap up our entire Week 17 slate breakdown. Is going to do it for Mario and I in terms of the regular season NFL podcast, but we're going to be keep going with, with a few of the uh, NFL episodes uh, as we enter the playoffs and all the way uh, through the Super Bowl and of course uh, during the offseason as well Mario and I will definitely be back uh, doing some NFL draft content in a little bit um, but we will also have a RotoWire DFS specific NFL podcast dropping tomorrow that'll be with Andrew Laird and Scott Jenstad and that will keep going definitely uh, through the Super Bowl as well so keep an ear out for those but for Mario Puig I'm John McKechnie thanks for listening to the RotoWire NFL podcast Brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.